The Heat beat the Dallas Mavericks on Saturday, partly due to a change in the starting lineup. Will Eric Spolster keep that rotation moving forward? We break it all down. Plus, we open up the mailbag to talk about recruiting Luka Doncic, and we continue our Heat culture bracket on today's episode of Locked on Heat. You are Locked on Heat, your daily Miami Heat podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome to Locked On Heat, your daily podcast on the Miami Heat. I'm Wes Goldberg here with David Vermill. However, you might be tuning in on YouTube Odyssey or your favorite podcast app. Thank you for making Locked On Heat your first listen every day and for hitting that subscribe button. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepicks.com, promo code LOCKEDON. We'll talk about Jimmy Butler recruiting Luka Doncic. Bam, playing the Draymond Green role and update the Heat culture bracket later on. But on a Saturday, we got a bit of a surprise when Eric Spolstra decided to switch up the starting lineup with Max Struess replacing Kevin Love alongside Game Vincent, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, and Cody Zeller, who was starting for an injured Bam Adebayo. After the game, Spo said that he could stick with this lineup for a while. With Bam out, we just had to, you know, this team is super uh, small with a lot of different shooting. So, uh, you know, we went with a different starting lineup, and, and that might be the way we go over the next four games. Uh, these are playoff games for Spo basically saying that they're going to go with this over the next four games. David, what did you like about the lineup change? Well, it felt a little balanced in the sense that, you know, you had a, a legit center option in Cody Zeller, and I can't believe we're at that point of a heat season that we're talking about Zeller, who had been out for the last year due to injury and various reasons, and yet he seems like the best option to fill in for all-star Bam out of bio. 20 points. Injury. Yeah, I mean, not a bad Great. night. Look, yeah. he, he, he does things that are really complimentary, and as long as you can get him the ball in the right spots, he's going to be able to be somewhat productive. He's not going to be a monster for you on any nightly basis because he just doesn't have that skill set, nor does he get the kind of usage or touches that would facilitate that sort of thing. But if you can feed him, and Jimmy Butler was actively trying to do so as the primary ball handler on offense, then it will work out. And so that's a positive, rebounding, et cetera, setting good screens, all the things that we talked about Zeller when he had just joined the team, they came to fruition on Saturday night, albeit against a very poor defensive team. And we have yes. to keep that in mind. The yes. victory, I think, was more indicative of Dallas being really bad defensively rather than Miami finding some kind of miraculous spark that could save their season. So I, I don't I, – I took the positives from it because it's a win, and a win's a win even at this point in the season – but I don't think it's sustainable moving forward. And I think Spoh's being somewhat disingenuous in saying that. Like, what are you going to do once Bam and Abayo comes back? And we assume that he'll be available. He replaces Cody Zeller. And you just keep the starting lineup with Max over Kevin Love? That's what I thought. Like, I didn't think that Spo saying that when he said we're going to probably stick with this for the next four games, I did not think that Bam was going to get moved to the bench. Uh, it also depends on when, like, does he think this Bam injury is long-term? The Heat practiced this afternoon. Maybe we'll get an update on Bam's availability at that point uh, with Tuesday's game in Detroit coming up. But, yeah, I think the idea was that Max Struess would would be replacing Kevin Love in the starting lineup, and then Bam would, would take his spot in the starting lineup when he comes back. We've seen this movie already, and it doesn't end well for Miami. There's no happy ending after this. It's one were, that gives up a lot of points defensively, and Max gets into foul trouble. So I, I know it's good to have Love as the option coming off the bench, but one of the benefits of having him as a starter 
was the kind of stability it provided for the rest of the rotation. And but what did you Love, make of him when when he decided? Because we were talking about this, Kevin Love. His minutes were declining, declining, declining. Played a season right. low with the Miami Heat, 16 minutes in the game prior to getting moved to the bench here. And so we kind of wondered if this was about to happen, and then Spo ended up pulling the trigger on it. But instead, Caleb Martin was available and healthy and played in that game. He was there. The right. old starting lineup was right there if, if, if Spo wanted it, and he decided instead to go with Max Struess. And I, and, I'm at, and I ask the question, given that you're going against the Dallas Mavericks, who score a ton of points with Luka and Kyrie, was that more of, all right, we're just going to have to hang with this team no matter what, and it's a Mavericks team that tends to trend small anyway, so we're not really losing that much if we're starting right. Max Struess, right? Right. So maybe that's part of it. But then Spo saying that, I don't know, man. Maybe you're, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe he's playing chess and he's just trying to throw the the Pistons off uh, the scent a little bit. But I kind of believe him when he says we might stick with this for the next four games. It reminds me of the conversation we had late last week: of is this team going to tilt offense or try to tilt defense? Because right. it does not appear that they can do both at this right. point. And so maybe the answer is, you know what? Screw it. Let's just tilt offense because it gives Jimmy Butler a ton of space. That's the one thing it does do. Yeah. Um... Which some of that, well, no, I mean, I, I can't say that Zeller, you know, gives more space, but I guess he's the more. The screening a, helps at the top of the key. And then, and then again, and when it, when it's Bam, he's going to be screening and dribble handoffing and all that kind of stuff too. But it, it, it's Max Struess in there is much more uh, respected from three-point range than Caleb Martin is. That's fair. Um, I, I don't know. I really, I can't say for certain that. He's going to move forward. I think he's probably not necessarily playing chess, but I, I think he likes the way it played out on Saturday. And I just don't know if it's something that's sustainable. Look, the, the Pistons aren't the issue. It's when you face Philadelphia, when you face a taller team in the Orlando Magic, do you continue to go with a smaller lineup with Max and Bam out there? Mm. And I don't know that's the best option. I don't think this is something that you're sustainable for the playoffs either. Uh, you, you have to have a legitimate four option. And right now the only best option for that is Kevin Love. So that's, that's just where Miami's roster construction comes into play. So you think that. we end up seeing Kevin Love starting at the four sooner rather than later again? Yeah, I do. Um, okay. I could be wrong. That's a fair but, point. Uh, no, maybe maybe it is just going to be matchup-based. Maybe Eric Spolster is like, look, it's fair to say maybe this team doesn't have a great starting lineup, just a default starting five. And so based on the matchups, if it's a small team like Dallas, all right, run Max Drews out there. Let's score points with him. And if it's Philadelphia or the Orlando, to your point, Maybe you do have to put more size on the floor and Kevin Love gets back in the starting lineup. I'm not against that. I'm not against just sort of a shifting starting lineup. It's not as if the Heat have any sort of developed chemistry with any other lineup anyway. So you're not like sacrificing chemistry at this point. You're basically just playing with what you got. You know, to use the cliche, you can only play with the cards that you're dealt, right? And this is sort of the hand that they're playing with is, you know, maybe we don't have a great starting five. We don't have a solid top seven, eight, nine that we really like, a rotation that is set that we feel good about. So in that case, maybe just every every other game, we're switching it based on matchups. And maybe that could kind of create a little bit of an advantage, right? Because maybe other other teams don't necessarily know what's going what's gonna to be coming, even though I don't think it's rocket science if Philadelphia understands, okay, Miami's switching their starting lineups every game based on matchup. They're probably going to start Kevin Love against us. That's not rocket science, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not like max is great defensively and and right he has to have the shot fall in order for him to be effective what was his and final he did, and he did. He, yeah, well, yeah. i don't know what it is. he went six of eight from three-point range so yeah whatever that yeah, is so, yeah so 16 total points i think or 18 total points for him on the night so uh you know that, that if if it's avoiding what happened i can't recall exactly what game it was last week where he picked up three fouls in like a minute and a half coming off the bench 
then he's not a viable option and we're going to see right. a quick hook for him. But we'll And it's see not like Spo feels comfortable moving Duncan Robinson into that spot no. because the foul trouble is even worse with him and the defensive yeah. concerns are even more so with him, at least one-on-one. Um, and so, yeah, look, I, I think that's a good point. Like if Max Struess did not play that well, in the, specifically in the first half against Dallas, maybe we do see a different starting lineup. Spo doesn't really change his starting lineups mid-game. He probably would have still just thrown uh, Struess out there to start the second half, but... Maybe we would have just not have seen as much of that lineup together if Struess yeah. wasn't shooting well. Um, I, I don't know. know. Some people have wondered also about a shift to Bam to the four spot with Zeller starting, and I don't think that's realistic either. Do you? No, Zeller's not going to be starting because he's the only viable backup center. Unless they want to play Kevin Love at the five, which they've experimented a little bit here and there with. But uh, Omer Yurt's been clearly out of the rotation at this point. So Cody Zeller oh, yeah. is going to be that guy. Um you mentioned Bam shifting to the four. That gets into some of our mailbag questions that we got coming up next. Plus, was Jimmy Butler secretly recruiting Luka Doncic this weekend? Hmm. We'll tell you why it might not be the craziest idea. We're going to do that next. But first, David, tell the listeners about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Price Picks Daily Fantasy Made Easy. And it is easy. And that's the benefit of Price Picks because you don't have to worry about who you're competing against or anything else like that. It's just you versus the projected numbers. You pick two to six players. And if they score more or less, and their prize pick projections, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No compete against other people. Just you versus the projections. Prize picks offers projections in any sport you watch, whether it's the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, men's and women's, women's college basketball. Of course, that's worn down to some degree in college. But at the WNBA, you can still go and bet there. Watch those games regularly. Disc golf, Europe, basketball, cricket, so many more options. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states in Canada. So download the Price Picks app or go to pricepicks.com today to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on. So if you deposit 100 bucks, Price Picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, Price Picks will give you 50 bucks. So don't forget to enter the promo code locked on when you sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100 by downloading the Price Picks app or going to pricepicks.com today. Locked on Heat is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so please do subscribe. We're going to get into some of our uh, mailbag questions here. We also have an update on our Heat culture bracket um, coming up later on. Mentor taking on mentee. But let's just jump right in to these mailbag questions. Um, This first one comes from Sandro, who writes in, Luke and Jimmy were both spotted at the Miami Open this weekend and exchanged a few words after the game on Saturday. Could Jimmy be recruiting Luca to Miami? David, hmm. this is a thing that you and I talked about. Luca potentially coming to Miami in 2026 when he was a free agent. But, man, things are not going awesome for the Dallas Mavericks right now. They lose to the Miami Heat in Miami. They go on the – then the next night lose in Atlanta in a hmm. brutal loss. Kyrie Irving getting called for a foul at the end of overtime, sending Trey Young to the line. Trey Young hits two free throws. Game over. That's it. Uh, things have not been going great for the, the Dallas Mavericks. They are currently a game out of the play-in tournament. It They might not make it, which seems insane that this was a team, I think they were as high as like the fifth seed at some point in the West before the Kyrie deal. And, you know, it was a little shaky then, but they, to your point, can't stop a nosebleed. And the Kyrie-Luka thing, it works on offense, but doesn't work in terms of getting wins. I don't know. This was sort of this felt like the last gasp, right? And I know it's not, you know, Kyrie can walk away in free agency this summer for Dallas, and then they'll have some cap space that maybe they could play around with. But 
I don't know what you're getting for that cap space that was better than what you sent out in terms of Dorian Finney-Smith, Spencer Dinwiddie, right. some good, good, useful players. Or is or has the upside that somebody like Kyrie Irving has. Luca apparently wanted Kyrie because he wanted the superstar. I don't know. Like based on this, I think this is grounds for termination. Basically, if you're Luka Doncic and looking at the Dallas Mavericks organization, you could say, you could look around and be like, okay, either one more shot or I'm out or whatever. I I, I don't know, man. In today's NBA, I don't think anything's off the table. So, yeah. What do you think about I, maybe him getting out of there and, and potentially to Miami? Oh, I think. I think it's legitimately an option. I, I mm. kind of look at it somewhat similarly, and teams do this all the time. They get enamored with some small-term success, and then they kind of blow it up. And we saw the Phoenix Suns do it a few years ago when they overachieved, when Goran Dragic was still on that team. Uh, and then we saw the Brooklyn Nets. That was a really fun team with D'Angelo Russell and a couple other nice complimentary role players. And then they wound up trading everybody to acquire, ironically enough, Kyrie Irving. And Dallas did the same thing. They gave up a lot of good role players that were more complimentary of what Luca could do. And, and as you mentioned before, they were more successful with him because while yeah. you may score a lot of points, you're going to give up a lot of points in kind. And so I, I think that relationship isn't necessarily the problem. A lot of people want to make it about Luca versus Kyrie. I don't think that's the case at all. Oh, I think the roster it's, stinks. I think the roster stinks. I think the coach stinks. I think that's pretty evident oh, yeah. to anybody who follows the Dallas Mavericks. I think uh, Jason Kidd, if he ever had that locker room, has completely lost it. On top of all that, if Luca wants to, if he's hearing enough buzz about his legacy and it's early in his career, but we've seen this with Kevin Durant, we've seen all with LeBron, obviously, when he came to Miami, we see it with players all the time. They need to start thinking about the final piece to cap off what's been a great career. And Luca has a lot of time left to continue to build on his legacy, but whether it's in Dallas or not remains to be seen right now. They're not trending in that general direction. Again, blowing up your roster to trade great role players to acquire a somewhat volatile, even better player does not necessarily translate into winning. It hasn't. And so if you're looking to win and you don't think it's going to get done in Dallas anytime soon, and we'll see what happens this offseason, that could be the final straw. I would not be surprised to see him request a trade. And yeah. I don't see any reason why Miami wouldn't be there's, atop that list. There's two things that I, I think a lot of people see Luca and be like, he's so young. Why would you, you never see players this young requesting a trade this early in their careers? And I would say two things to counter that in terms of Luca specifically. Number one, he's already good enough to win a championship. He's awesome. He's, he, he's good enough to be the best player on a championship team. There's, I mean, if you need a bucket, is there a player you're taking over Luca? I don't know. Maybe Kevin Durant. Might, that might be oh. the end of the list, right? Like, there's few players that good, and he gets his teammates involved. He's an incredible passer, all these things. Like, he is turnkey, put him at the top of your roster with a championship group. That team is a contender. Um, so that really speaks to how bad Dallas is in terms of surrounding the supporting cast. Yeah, even uh, – And I'm number two – I, oh, sorry, sorry, I tried to interrupt, but I, I tried to equate it to like what LeBron went through. And even Similar. when he, he left in free agency in 2010 as a free agent, not requesting a trade, but they had made a trip to the finals. They just weren't going anywhere. The roster construction around well, it was so Well, the thing so is, they it, was, it was desperation move after desperation move and drip, drip, drip out of the talent bank, out of the draft pick bank and stuff. And then next thing you know, Larry Hughes is your second best player. And it kind <laughs> of feels like we're going into that direction with Luka, right? If Kyrie Irving walks away this summer, which definition of a flight risk Kyrie Irving like yeah. I don't know what you're filling I don't know what you're, you're you're replacing him with you're ending up with like Larry Hughes 2.0 probably as your second best player so if Luca looks around he's like are you serious this is what you're giving me he could right. just be like I'm out of here and so the other and the other the second part was he's already had 
success. He's already won championships at the world stage. He's already tasted it. You know, like this isn't a guy that's still trying to figure out what it is to win, what it means to win. This is a guy who's already tasted winning at the high, at almost the highest level at the world stage. And so I, I you, you figure a guy like that probably wants to get back there sooner rather than later. So that's what I'll say in terms of, I'm not predicting, nobody knows if he's going to demand a trade, but it wouldn't shock anybody depending on how this offseason goes. And if that's true, then look, will Mark Cuban trade Luka Doncic to the Miami Heat? That's a whole other question. I don't think he would want, I don't think that that would be his preference. That's safe enough to say. But if, you know, stars kind of get to where they want to go somehow. And and I don't, like, I like that Jimmy and Luca were at the Miami Open this, this Saturday. Like they weren't sitting together, but they were shown on the jumbo screen at the same time, sitting from, at their separate seats. Uh, Luca is a big tennis guy. Jimmy Butler is a big tennis guy. Uh, Jimmy Butler from his days playing with our friend Goran Dragic knows a little bit of Slovenia. Remember he was learning Slovenian. And so I think right. he could speak to Luca. Would, would it shock you if after the game, whatever Jimmy Butler and Luca said, if, if Jimmy Butler said something in Slovenian to Luca, I would probably say there's a 99% chance that he did say something in Slovenian to Luca. And I think Absolutely. that stuff matters. I think that stuff really does matter. And if Luca's looking around and he's like, the Heat are not where they want to be. I'm not where I want to be. But they got a bona fide killer in Jimmy Butler. That's the kind of who speaks my language a little bit and, and has actually gone the, the, the extra distance to try to relate to me. He gets it. I want to play with that guy because he's relatable. And I don't know what to make of my new Dallas Mavericks roster, let alone Kyrie Irving. So I, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm just saying it's, it's not – I don't think it's something, but I don't think it's not nothing either. I think – Heat fans may not want to hear it, but given uh, Luca's experience with Rick Carlisle, who's a fine coach in his own right, and Jason Kidd, who's had his success despite uh, whatever his obvious limitations are, I, I think you look at the stability of the Heat front office and Eric Spolster and the fact that he's been able to get the most out of his roster so consistently over time, obviously going to numerous trips to the NBA Finals uh, and, and just getting to the playoffs and having your team be competitive every year. Like, I think that's absolutely appealing to Luka Doncic I think the idea of living in Miami is also appealing like he's young enough and and I why well, I, I don't know if he's married I still think the idea of just being in South Florida seeing tennis catching other sporting events here probably a little bit more of an international flavor than the Dallas Fort Worth very, very, area very good point that's a very that's an excellent point yes I mean Miami is the international sports capital of the when Goran was on this team Slovenian night, and they still celebrated. I think was packed with Slovenians. Yeah. There were so many people; it was like having like a, a national, you know, just you know, a event take yeah. place at the American Airlines Arena at that point in time. You know, so many fans would come over and watch both Goran and, and Luca. You've got the the Port of Miami. You've got Miami International Airport. So much. You get the Miami travel. Open. We we've yeah. got Formula One now. Uh, yeah. Messi might be coming. Like, there's all this stuff happening where I and I. I I don't say it facetiously. Miami is the international sports capital of the world at this point. I mean, we're going to get a World Cup game here in the next round. So it's mm. it for somebody like Luca. Maybe that does speak to him. I think that is really interesting. And man, wouldn't it be cool to get an international star here in Miami? You know, mm. with the with the with Giannis, Joel Embiid, Luka Doncic, Nikola Jokic, like all these these European players coming to the NBA and just dominating, being the, literally the best players in the NBA. It would be awesome to get one of those in Miami, Luca. Otherwise, it's a fun thing to at least think about. And uh, Jimmy speaking Slovenian, Goran Dragic continuing on uh, his legacy somehow in the same way that Dwayne Wade for you, got G. Jimmy Butler. Yeah. In the same way that Dwayne Wade got Jimmy Butler. Oh, I like that. Goran Dragic coming late career and just let him sit on the end of bench. I don't, 
I don't hate that. That's actually a really good idea. A, re- a Slovenian reunion here in, in South Florida. Why not? Luke has been waiting for it. Um, all right. <laughs> we teased it. We'll get to it uh, on the other side of this. Um, can Bam play the four? Is it time? We talked about some other rotation changes that the Heat made. You, you mentioned maybe does Bam – you don't think that Bam could start next to Cody Zeller. We'll talk about it because we've got some mailbag questions uh, next, and then we're going to update our Heat culture bracket. But first, tell the listeners about our sponsors, David. This episode is brought to you by Built. The Built March Madness bracket is still here. You know you've got a favorite bar or puff, and now's your time to make your favorite vote count. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for your favorites. I'll be voting for the Cookies and Cream bar, and just like you want the Heat to win, you should vote for your favorite Built bar too. Support your team, support your bar or puff, and when you do vote, You'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have their best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your door. you got to try Built. It's the best protein bar ever. We've talked about it for years, and we've been consistent in saying it's the best because they're 100% covered in chocolate. They've got all the nutrients you're looking for. They taste great. They're great for you. And they fit in for so many different things you might need, whether it's just to complement your diet or to fill in for a meal. Let's say you've got a long meeting or, or something you're traveling and you can't get to a, a good meal. Fill yourself up with a Built Bar and you'll feel just great. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now and go vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every day in March well, and in April, too. So hop in and support your pick. Reach Locked On Heat on Twitter, Instagram, email us, LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. This next mailbag question comes from John, who writes in, Why not start your five best players? Bam, Jimmy, Tyler, Cody Zeller, and Kyle Lowry for experience. I'll catch up. It'll catch other teams off guard. You could pick and roll from both sides of the floor. And you get some freaking height in the starting lineup. Who cares what position everybody is? It's a mess out there anyway. I'd love to see these five on the floor together. Uh, so Kyle Lowry, Tyler Hero, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, ostensibly at the four, and then Cody Zeller at center. What do you think? Is that first of all, is that Miami's five best players? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point there. I, I look, I think we're all kind of falling in love with the production that Zeller put out on Saturday, but I don't think he's your fifth best player. I, I'm not sure who that is. Uh, probably Caleb. I would, I would say Caleb. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you can make an argument that Max is might be on a par with Kyle Lowry, even though I'm not sure that's the Fair case enough. either. Or but, even Gabe Vincent, depending on the Yeah, name. yeah. There, there's other options there. Look, it, it's all about finding the right balance defensively, offensively, and I don't know that that starting lineup provides it. You've got not enough space, three then. solid defenders. You got you know two and a half solid defenders between Jimmy Bam and Kyle. You don't have a lot of spacing to your point. Nobody's shooting threes, uh, you know, from that front court there. Uh, it, it's not a great option. You need to have that kind of separation. You talked about the spacing on Saturday night, a big part of why Jimmy was able to get to his, his points there, you know, his parts earlier on there. And, and I, I don't know that you're going to be able to re- replicate that with that version of that starting lineup. Jimmy just needs the space, man. And look, I, I was watching the, uh, uh, women's college basketball final LSU versus sure. Iowa. And one of the things that stuck out to me was that on Sunday. Yeah, that was yesterday, Sunday afternoon. Um, Iowa with Caitlin Clark, they're like, there's space to the floor. They, they shoot a ton of threes. And yet LSU just came in there. They were bigger, badder, stronger, and just pounded them over and over on the inside. Second chance points. I mean, it was the same thing UConn did to Miami in some respects on, on Saturday night. Pounded them inside. Getting the, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. It pained me too. I was like, oh, why did I bring that up? Um, and there's something to be – like, you watch that and you're like, wow, is is – is big basketball really dead? Because 
you know, Caitlin Clark had an awesome game, but like her teammates really weren't shooting great from three point range and LSU took advantage and, and they had some people shooting great from deep too. But um, I don't know. I just, I, I watched that and I'm like, Oh, could the heat just throw out their biggest dudes? Like screw it. Put Bam at small forward, Kevin Love, and then Cody Zeller out there. Like, I don't know. Jimmy Butler at the two, and then Tyler Euro at that point guard. I don't know. Just throw out your biggest possible lineup. What would? What's the worst that can happen? I would love to see it. Just to see it. I don't know. Just for interesting? I would love to see it just for interesting. But I, 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 think so. I don't think it I would mean, work because we know what the formula is. When it's Bam and Jimmy as your two best players, neither of them shoot threes. You just, you're not going to outsmart the NBA. Everybody knows where it's going. You need to space the floor for those two guys. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the best version of this iteration of the team, and it involves a Jay Crowder when he's hitting his shots or a P.J. Tucker that at least provides the option of that. That's it. Uh, That's the formula. We've seen it work. You, you got to the finals once, and you almost got to the finals twice with the, that exact formula. You're absolutely right. That said, this question from your pal Pete writes in, Hello, friends. This is your pal Pete. Hi. You know that already. Okay. Why can't Bam play next to your standard center like Draymond Green does? Um, mm. It's not that he can't. No, it's that he does good. not he's not on a team with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, who those two that helps. All all every rule that you have, I think the general rule right now is you basically can only have one non-floor spacer in a in a starting lineup at this point, or in any lineup, I guess, for the most part. And uh those rules go out the door when you have the two greatest three-point shooters of all time. Like right. what what Steph and Clay do from a gravity standpoint is what like two great three-point shooters do for any other team, right? So when you have those two guys, plus Andrew Wiggins, who's usually available making threes. Uh, or before him, Kevin Durant, obviously. Or before him, Harrison Barnes, who is a, a serviceable three-point shooter. Like The spacing is so crazy that you can afford to play Draymond with a Kevon Looney or JaVale McGee or whoever, what, Zaza Pachulia, whatever, whatever iteration. But also worth pointing out that when the Warriors do go small in crunch time, when it really matters, they take that other center out. Draymond plays the five, and they have a four who could legitimately space the floor next to Draymond. So then they do end up going four out, one in with Draymond. So... Um, I think the the the, the comparison's great. The just the Heat need to revamp the roster around Bam in order for him to do something like that. Yeah, and, and it takes away from what his expectations are in terms of they need him to be that star. We just got through years of discourse regarding Bam needs to be more aggressive. He needs to put up more points. You can't reduce his role a la Draymond Green, who's basically just a facilitator. No one's counting on his offense. It's great when you get it. But you don't need it because you need you've got that elite scoring on other positions, multiple other positions. Could you imagine that? Bam in that you're saying this? I'm like, imagine Bam just taking Draymond's spot in Golden State. I obviously we do not wish for this to happen. But you met like Draymond is a zero on offense in terms of scoring. Like he's obviously a, a great passer and all yeah. these things. And the chemistry you can't replace with Steph. But just like generally, kind of theoretically. Bam actually being able to take advantage of those scoring opportunities that are there for Draymond all the time. Like Draymond gets that 15, 17 footer gifted to him by opposing defenses that pack the paint. And he passes up, he passes up layups at the rim all the time. He doesn't like dunk anymore very much. Like Bam could dunk with all that space, wide open lanes, just sprinting right down the paint. Uh, Obviously taking advantage of that 15 footer spacing the floor, even more than Draymond uh, does. And that would be unbelievable. If, If the heat could find a way to get something, Similar to that, that's if you're going to eventually decide, all right, we're we're tilting everything around Bam. We're going to shift it, whether it's this summer or three summers from now when Jimmy Butler's on the other side of his you know prime or whatever it is. That's exactly, I think, what the Heat should be looking for is how can we create that level of space for Bam out of bio? Because if we give him that with a legit, like with, with, with scoring guards and floor spacers who can take a little bit more off his plate and just let him be aggressive at 
in pockets instead of having to be aggressive all the time. So we could do the facilitating that he's so good at. And, the, and obviously yeah. the, the, the defensive player of the year caliber defense. I mean, that that's what would really unlock him. So it's interesting, but yeah. for now it's not in the cards. Um, all right. It is time to update our heat culture bracket with uh, where the person who represents heat culture the most moves on. We are in now to the fearsome four, David, um, or what do we call the, uh, what are, what do we call our final eight? The, uh, the epic eight, the yes. epic eight was pretty epic. We had, uh, we had Udonis Haslam knocking out Keith Askins. We had Jimmy Butler knocking out Joel Anthony, and we had Pat Riley knocking out Goran Dragic. We also had in the tough one, Eric Spolstra knocking out Dwayne Wade. So, oh, painful. uh, our first matchup, six seed Oof. Jimmy Butler versus two seed Udonis Haslam. These two guys who almost came to blows uh about this time last year so yeah that's that's heat culture for you i you know i uh i'm not sure where to go on this one the the argument for jimmy is that he's a better player obviously better than at any point in udonis's career but that's not necessarily what heat culture is about again it's that accountability it's that consistency it's the willingness to do the work and we know and for a lot of fans that just want to write off Udonis at this point in his career, he's taking up a roster spot, et cetera. He still puts in the work. He's in phenomenal shape. He can still play. He does it. And he's accepted that role. And I think that is probably a big part of heat culture also is understanding your role and trying to make the most of it. Having said that, there's also the part that everybody also overlooks is that players have gotten better in Miami as a result of having Udonis Haslam on the roster, whether it's a Gabe Vincent or a Max Struess or a Duncan Robinson or anybody else that you can think of over the past few years of UD's career, UD has played a role in getting them to understand you play your role, you work hard, you're going to get paid, you're going to get opportunities, and they'll pay off for you down the stretch. So I, I think as good as Jimmy is and as much of a worker as he is, his story arc is incredible. I was saying for years before he even joined Miami, he was a perfect player to complement Miami's style and system. And it turned out to be true. Udonis has defined a culture for the past 20 seasons. And his loss is going to be felt without a doubt. I know a lot of people think it's not, but I, I'm actually it saying is. that he will. It, it will absolutely play a part in, in the locker room. Yeah, worth mentioning that like Eric Spolster, Pat Riley, everybody in that organization says he can walk into this locker room anytime, even when he's done retiring. And he is expected to be around the organization quite a bit, even after he does retire. But you're right. Good point. It's different. Um, he's a player right now. He's been a player for the Miami Heat for 20 years and, and players, they're just able to carry more weight in that locker room than a coach. Yeah. And Udonis Haslam is not going to get into coaching. He's already said that. Even, yeah, but, he's even said he, he's as an owner. He wants to be the owner that kind of ties the line between players and the ownership because it's yeah. us versus them. And that mentality is prevalent throughout the NBA. He's going to be a one of one who defines that and, and, and kind of just changes that perspective of being a liaison between. He's not going to be walking around in a suit like uh, Alonzo Mourning is, right? Like Alonzo Mourning is very yeah. much like I'm front office now. I think Haslam is still just going to dr dress in his like Miami Heat sweatpants yeah. and, and the, the game-given T-shirt and, and walk around the locker room that way and just be like, I, whatever. Um, I would be like, are they going to move his locker? Or are they just going to like maintain that? Because they have more than what they need in terms of lockers in that locker room. I wonder if they'll just like, give him something in the corner where that he could just sit there. Well, I don't for know. years he didn't even have a locker. Like there were the, the expanded roster made it to the, he, he was, uh, right. he was actually changing in the back with the undrafted guys. Cause he wanted to keep, you know, that real. Maybe that's what he's going to do. Uh, it's Udonis Haslam. It's Udonis Haslam. It's, it's a, it's a great, it's a great journey for Jimmy Butler. Like you mentioned, 
not just for his career, but throughout our heat culture bracket. The final four is nothing to sneeze at, as we in Miami know very well. Um, it was a great run for Jimmy Butler, but it's Udonis Haslam. And it's Udonis Haslam because, yes, you could you could even compare the story. His last pick in the first round in terms of Jimmy Butler worked his way from role player to star. Udonis right. Haslam, undrafted, played in Europe for a year, remade his body in the same way that Jimmy Butler just like kind of revamped his body and all these things. And they they ended up having these long careers that nobody expected them to have given on where they where they were drafted or in Haslam's case not drafted and um yeah they've and 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 in Giannis Haslam's case he's got rings to show for it right and Jimmy Butler doesn't have that that's mm. one thing that Jimmy Butler does not have but the other part of it too is the extra layer it's Udonis Haslam giving back it's giving back to the Heat it's giving back to the community it's giving back to all these things and that's what really separates him. From Jimmy Butler is the giving back part of it. Not to say that Jimmy Butler is not going to do that. He's in a very different stage of his career than Udonis Haslam is. But for right now, this bracket, it's Udonis Haslam, and I don't think it's particularly close. Our next matchup. Woo! (laughs) Number one seed, Pat Riley, versus four seed, Eric Spolstra, seen here about to not be asked a question during the playoffs. And then when, that's when he smiles and walks away with his with two thumbs up. I'm pretty sure this is the, the moment right before that. Iconic um, image there, Spo. Uh, this one's tough. I, Can I try I, to know, make the argument for Spolstra? Because most people, the default winner here is Pat Riley. He is the one seed for a reason. Can I make the argument on behalf of Spo? Yes. All right, let me try. I okay. think I know where you're going with this. I don't think that heat culture survives in today's NBA yeah. if not for Eric Spolstra. It's I the don't Shaquille think that argument used. Here. It's it's okay. Well, it is similar. It's exactly similar. But the Shaq argument was if not for Shaq, stars don't come to Miami anymore, and I think that's true. Although you could also argue that maybe eventually, if it's not Shaq is the first star through the door, maybe it's somebody else. And and who's this? maybe LeBron and D Wade were friendly enough. Maybe LeBron still comes to Miami, and and it's instead of it being. Hey, I'm Dwayne Wade. I've won a championship. Let me teach you how to win a championship. Maybe it's more of, hey, LeBron, D. Wade, we're best friends, peanut butter and jelly. We can't get over the hump. Let's get over the hump together. So maybe it's like that, and LeBron still ends up here in 20 times. Who knows? Um, I will say that I don't, I don't think that this organization works, if not for Eric Spolstra in 2023. I, I just don't think it does. I think the way that Pat Riley does things and, and did things – is old school, and I don't think that it speaks to a young player. I don't think it speaks to a player now being drafted who was born after the year 2000. I don't think that that I don't think that Pat Riley's approach would work, and I do think that Eric Spolstra's approach does. And it's not to say that Eric Spolstra is like a player-friendly coach in the way that some of these, and that they're they're sort of like let the players run things, but he does bend more than Pat Riley does, and I think that's okay. a good thing. And uh, and we see it even now with Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry. They they were they are able to do things that players under Pat Riley just could not do. They are given a little bit more leeway as star players. When Kyle Lowry came, he was considered sort of star. But he, he get these players are given more freedom as modern NBA players are than I think the the way things were done under Pat Riley. And in general, you could say that about the NBA. But I just don't know that Pat Riley is a movable object in that sense. It feels like he is a statue of okay. heat culture, of what he what he believes it to represent. And I think that with Eric Spolster, he was the perfect person to take that and carry it and adjust it and mold it and whatever it being like whatever heat culture is and uh, and tailor make it for today's NBA. He's embraced analytics. 
He's embraced larger coaching staffs. He's embraced the player development thing. He's embraced player empowerment. He's embraced all of this, and he's benefited from it, right? Could you are like Eric Spolster might have been the greatest beneficiary of player empowerment of any coach that's ever coached in the NBA because he got LeBron. Sure. And so uh, I, 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 that's my argument for Spo is you could take the last 20 years and say it's Pat Riley, but I could say over the last 10, Eric Spolstra has been more important to heat culture. I think it's Eric Spolstra. I think he moves on. I think if I can allow myself to get a little political here for a second, the beauty of the U.S. Constitution as Ooh, the defining wow. Constitution <laughs> pivot. Let's go. As the, as the living, defining... breathing document. Let's go. That's what it is. It's a living, breathing document. It's made to change. The forefathers oh, of this country, despite, despite all the problems uh, that began this country and that led to its evolution and its seeking independence, the fact is that the Constitution allowed for people to make changes. Unfortunately, those changes haven't come as easily as they should. But Eric Spolstra, to your point, has made changes, has allowed for things to be different. This isn't my way or the highway. The NBA doesn't work it that way anymore, nor should it. These are grown men in many cases who are trying to find themselves in life and in basketball, and they need somebody who is going to be more of a sounding board, not just somebody who tells them what to do and when to do it. And I think that was the big part of what made Pat Riley so successful is that he had a vision and he had been a former player and he had been able to tell him, this is what works if you do it. But those that voice was tiresome. And every stop he went, whether it was Los Angeles or New York or Miami, and I think you're going to lose players to some degree. Pat Riley couldn't continue coaching, not just because he chose to step away, but because he just wouldn't have lost the locker room in one way, shape, or another. I don't think he would have had the flexibility to coach the big three. I don't think he had the foresight to say, Chris, yes. you go be in the center. You go yep. stretch the floor. You lean yep. into where your strength is. And we all know that Chris Bosch was like, yeah, Chris Bosch mm -hmm. was likely to get traded if they hadn't won that title yeah. in 2012. You know, he probably would have made some deal for a Dwight Howard, a more typical center of the time. We yeah. know he wanted to draft Chris Kamen over Dwayne Wade. Dwayne. Like yeah. those are kind of things where his vision has worked for many years and it's, it provides that kind of stability. It, it is the foundation for heat culture, but heat culture has to grow, has to evolve. And it doesn't without Eric Spolster. And that's why he moves on. I'm with you. Look, the what's the definition of heat culture bracket? What person, whichever person who represents heat culture the most moves on. It's not which person is most responsible for heat culture. It's right. not more, more important to the overall history of the Miami Heat. It's who currently represents heat culture the most. And I think like heat culture Plato and Aristotle, is, right? I guess, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't he his student at one point and he took his teachings and kind of took it to the next level? Yeah, yeah. That's what I think, I think that's what it is. Maybe I'm forgetting my uh, something, my something like that. Oh. Um, yeah, Constitution <laughs> and, and, and Greek philosophers all in one episode. It's time to, to wrap things up. Yeah, that's it. Um, Eric Spolstra moves on, so it's gonna be Spo versus Udonis Haslam in the Heat Culture Championship. Ooh. That's gonna be coming up. Tomorrow. Thanks again for making Lockdown Heat your first listen every day. Remember to subscribe to new episodes of Lockdown Heat on your favorite podcast app and on YouTube. Hit that like button right now. Now make your second listen game to game NBA every moment, every top performance, every result. Lockdown Game to Game covers every game from across the NBA with local analysis that only Lockdown can deliver. Follow Game to Game on Lockdown NBA. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. David, thanks for joining me. You got it, Wes.